You're listening to the Career Geek Podcast, episode number three, where we hear from video games designer, Karoo. I am here with Karoo, who has been working in the video game industry for the last three years. He's recently left uh, a Melbourne video game company, is currently pursuing his uh, own projects on the iPhone, which he hopes to uh, make a bit of money money from and uh, get it out there commercially and uh, publish independently. What I first want to talk to you about is um, how did you get into video games uh, in terms of, of study? Did you go to uni or...? For myself, I took a, a path that's usually different from the norm and I chose to teach myself. Um, when I started uh, and finished high school, I wanted to get into game design and at the time, um, at least in my eyes, there wasn't a course available that could teach me the things about game design. Um, game designs are really... Um, it's, it's not rocket science, but there, it's got a few fundamentals fundamental aspects to it that can't really be teached in a education environment um it's it's more about the being able to play games analyze them know what's fun and being able to take that and extract it into its core elements and then um deliver that into an instruction that can be understood by other people so did you get employed in the video game industry without having to study not necessarily um i did have to work at home for a good part of a year after I completed uh, high school, I spent a good uh, 12 months from the November of the year I completed school to the November before I got a job. Um, I got uh, material online, books and stuff, and I studied uh, through uh, using tutorials and learning programs like Unreal Edit and building up a folio from that. Um, but that comes that, that's very conditional. It's not the norm. For, for people to homeschool and, and get into the industry. What, what, what got you a job, do you think? Did you have much of a CV, or was it all just kind of your folio work? It was, it was mainly the folio work. It comes down to a bit of luck. You've got to be out... You've, essentially, what I did is I spammed the Australian game industry in terms of resumes. I made a folio and a resume and a, a kind of a generic cover letter, and I posted it off to about 40 companies. Now, out of that 40, four would give you an, a, a reply, and out of that... Um, two would give you an interview. I got an interview uh, with the studio I was working with and one of the key factors I think that got me in there and it was kind of hinted at when I finished the interview that I got the job on that day was that um, I came very prepared. I had folders with not only my work but explanations and documentation into how I went about uh, going about creating that work, my thought process and the end result. And just being able to display that in a crystal clear manner to the potential employer allowed them to have a very um, strong knowledge about what my skills were and what my potential was. That's something I've heard uh, mentioned a few times, um, uh, not from other people, but just kind of in my own research of, of interview techniques, is, um, is, is having a, a, a resume that has the basics but still enough detail to want, the, want to interview, but then having a supplementary um, CV or supplementary details of, of, of more specifics, is that what you mean? So like a more of a tech rundown? Yeah, exactly. It depends on the position you're going for. Like the, of the three main positions, design, art and code, um, they're all different in the way you need to approach how you do it. In terms of design, your resume is telling you what you can do, but it's not it's it's not proven like unless you've got a college degree and they can ring up that college and say hey does this person have that degree everything else on your resume could be a lie so the best thing for the employer uh, apart from having accreditations that they can look up is uh 
having folio pieces and amounts of work that look authentic and that you've made. Um, and from that, they can evaluate your skill level. What about uh, today? Because the, the video game industry is, is a bit short of work. What would be your advice for people trying to get into the industry right now? Would they go your route or something a bit different? It really depends on the, the person in general. Like, if you want to do it alone, you can, but you must understand that doing it alone means that you need to run under your own motivation, which is something that's very difficult to do for anyone. Um, no one's going to tell you when your work is due. No one's going to tell you if you've done well or not. You can post things online and get feedback, but that's that, that comes with difficulties as well. There's no... A to F grading when it comes to doing it yourself. Advice to what I could give to people in how they approach the industry, trying to get into the industry now, is that you've got to show um, strongly that you're willing to go that extra mile and you're willing to put in the effort uh, to, to, to make something truly, truly fun to play and, and great. Um, and this can come in many forms. Uh, doing a bachelor's course... Um, in something it doesn't necessarily have to be games um shows that you've got the the motivation to go through with something especially if it's a three or four year course um doing nicely polished folios um just things that show your character as someone who is motivated and trying to to kind of stand out from the crowd because what they don't want is a student who's just done the very basics of what was required from them from their course. If they just kind of go to school, do their 20 hours, hand in their, you know, homework once in a while and then do absolutely nothing else, then that's not really going to put you over the bar to, to get noticed and get in the industry. If you're a designer, if you want to be a designer, then make some games. That's as simple as that. Now more than ever, we have tools for free that allow us to create games. Um, Unity and Unreal Edit have now become free in an education circumstance. These uh, programs are extremely powerful and easy to use. Um, You have Wikipedias that you can create design documentation on. You have plenty of designers who are willing to share their design documents in a professional light just to kind of give you an idea of how they went about making things. Now more than ever we have the resources available to us to see what it is to be a professional in the games industry, and I think that's really great. So I don't think there's any lack of um, support as far as uh, going to learn things, as long as you know um, and want to learn. But it's not just learning. You've got to uh, apply it to your own projects and, and, and have something you can show in your folio, yeah? Yeah, you've got to make... You've, for a designer, you've essentially got to make your own game. You've got to think about a simple game... Um, what would be fun to play, what's easy to implement, what can look good. You've got to show that you're able, that you're capable to do the job that's being advertised. That's the main thing, especially for a designer more than any other job in the industry. They will hire you the very second they see that you're doing the job already. Like I said, the industry for video games is a bit tough right now. Do you have anything to say on the possibility of, of, of say, someone's already studying video games or they have an interest in video games? Do you have anything to say on, say, them for looking into alternate careers, maybe in, like, special effects or in, um, I don't know, IT? Yeah, it, it depends on your profession. For, for a designer, you've really got to reevaluate um, what you love doing and change yourself accordingly. A designer doesn't really have any 
preset school skills that could be transferred automatically into another job. You have, if you're a creative person, then you have skills that could be applied to film or um, advertising or um, graphic design or magazines or something of another creative nature. But being a game designer doesn't give you um, multi-transferred skills. If you're a programmer, there are jobs in the IT field um, that frankly pay a bit better than than jobs in the game field and are probably a little bit easier as well um if you're an artist of course you've all you've got the graphic industry you've got animation you've got multimedia uh website design there's plenty of multi um multi-crossing for uh, artists and programmers if they're good at what they do can you just go back a bit to um, when you were handing out resumes and chasing up, uh, chasing up companies? How do you do that so that you get your name out there, but you you stay that line between making sure they're aware of you and not being too annoying with calling them back too much? It's just to be it's to be insistent but not obnoxious. And the way to do that is simply um, post your resume to them every three to three to six months. Um, be polite. Don't incessantly call them. Um, if they want to know about you, they will contact you. Um, you know, being being insistent and updating your folio once every six months does show them that you're making progress. If it keeps getting better and better, and they might see that and remember that. Um, but the the simple thing is to, to is to not call them so much. Um, you really shouldn't be calling them at all unless you've got an interview or you simply want to inquire to their HR representative um, of what jobs may be available in the upcoming future. You could always do that. There's nothing stopping you from ringing up a studio to ask about uh, upcoming job opportunities. They might not say. They might. It just depends. Um, Just basically have a bit of courtesy and just realise that at the other side of the phone there is someone there and... Just don't ring them every few days. That's really good stuff. That applies uh, to a lot of uh, positions, actually, I think. Well, I might wrap this up. Is there anything, any advice you could give to people who are coming uh, into this industry now, especially people who are either getting out of high school or are finishing up their course? Yeah, the, the, the main piece of advice I would give to people is that I think a lot of people in, in starting out in these industries just really... Um, don't have the confidence to believe that they can execute their own ideas. A, a thing to remember is that you, you do have to keep in mind of your own abilities and keep that in check, but no one's stopping you, especially in today's age, from making your own game or collaborating with other students on making games. The worst thing you can do is complete your uni course and then not do anything else past that. Um, you, you should always strive to improve uh, even after the fact and collaborate with your fellow peers in making great games because this is what this industry needs. We need really good games and we need people who are passionate enough to make themselves professional enough to execute those good games. Very cool. All right, thank you very much for your time. Not a problem. Uh, Yeah. Hopefully that's useful to someone. I think it will be. Cheers. You've been listening to the Career Geek Podcast, a series of interviews with professionals working in all kinds of fields and industries relevant in some way to geeky interests, in the interest of learning about how exactly you get into these kind of awesome jobs. This is also a spin-off of the Canned Geek Podcast. Now that podcast is an hour-long discussion show of geek culture and news with myself and two other hosts, and you can find episodes of that podcast as well as more career geek interviews at www.cangeek.com, or you can subscribe on iTunes and follow the feed of both podcasts on there. 
And you can also check out CanGeek.com for the most comprehensive and up-to-date guide to geeky conventions, meets and events happening in Australia, New Zealand and Tasmania. These episodes of Career Geek have been recorded during and after Midfer, which is Australia's furry convention which was held from December 3rd to 6th, 2009 and is held every year in Melbourne in December. See, I began this project because two things converged in my mind. The first was that I noticed just how many members of the furry community worked in awesome and geeky professions. Robotics, special effects, animators, scientists, there's furries in those industries and more. The second thing was that I've been pursuing my own career aspirations and pondering questions along the lines of, am I employable in my field? So Career Geek is aimed at high school students, uni students, and really any geek who went to the movies or saw their doctor or played a video game and thought to themselves, I want to get paid to do that. As I mentioned, Career Geek was recorded around the time of Midfur, a furry convention which I'm proud to say I was working on as public relations and multimedia. It was a really fun event to attend and to work on, and it provided the perfect opportunity to talk to these furries about their awesome jobs. So I'd like to thank my fellow board members, the volunteers, our esteemed guests of honour, and every single attendee for making Midfur an amazing event. For more information on Midfur, you can visit www.midfur.com.au. That's M-I-D-F-U-R.com.au. All the links mentioned in this episode can be found in the show notes at cankeek.com, and I do plan on adding more episodes of Career Geek in the future, talking with both furries and non-furries. Lastly, and most importantly, I'd like to thank the voices behind all the people you hear in the Career Geek podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and talk with me and share your knowledge. Thank you for listening. Once again, the website is cannedgeek.com, and the music you've been hearing in the background is by Chicago Lolly. <laughs>